wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Now, please welcome at this time your hosts, Graham, GSM Matthews, and RJ Marceau. You're listening to the next era of wrestling radio. This is Wrestle Rant Radio. Big thanks to Will from Pro Voice Guy Studios for that awesome new intro for WrestleRant Radio. It's been a long time coming, but we got a fresh coat of paint on the show. Season premiere last week, as we're calling it, like WWE called their season premiere of SmackDown last week and their season premiere of Raw on Monday night. We got the season premiere of WrestleRant Radio last week and this week. We're extending it out like it's Halloween Havoc across two different weeks here on WrestleRant Radio. But in all seriousness, October 19th, 2023 here today, I am Graham GSM Matthews, Mr. Marceau joining me momentarily. Before Mr. Marceau joins me for a conversation about Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, and everything else in between, we're talking to Conan here today, a wrestling legend, talking all about Impact's upcoming event coming up this weekend in Chicago on Sunday. Bound for Glory is on Saturday, but in that same venue in Chicago on Sunday. They're having their Bound for Glory Fallout show. It's a Lucha Libre celebration event hosted by Conan. They have Juventud Guerrera on the show, Black Tarus, uh, Laredo Kid, and a bunch of other great luchadors, Samurai Del Sol, the former Kalisto from WWE, and so many more. It sounds like a very exciting event coming up this weekend. Conan's on the show here today, talking all about it. It was a wild interview when we talked the other day. We went all over the place talking about Show recommendations, um, Impact's doctor slash PR guy. He talks about uh, Ross in the beginning of the interview. He jokes about him. A lot of stuff in between. Just shooting on the entire world of wrestling. In a great way, Conan has a great mind for the business, needless to say. And he had a lot of cool stuff to say about Impact, Lucha Libre, uh, why we're not seeing more of it, or, or Lucha Libre not getting the credit it deserves sometimes, some unsung heroes in the business, stuff like that. Uh, just an all-over-the-place interview. It was a great time chatting with him on Tuesday night. The video of the interview should be up at some point in the next couple days before the event coming up on Sunday. So without further ado, enjoy my exclusive interview with wrestling legend Conan. Graham Jason Matthews here with Fansided. Today we're talking the Impact Lucha Libre celebration coming up this weekend as part of Bound for Glory weekend, Bound for Glory fallout coming up on Sunday, uh, this coming Sunday in Chicago. Conan, you're a big part of it. I'm looking forward to your involvement in this event. How you doing, man? Thanks for taking the time. Oh, good, man. Need you like Sunday morning. Boom. Talk about your involvement in this event. There's going to be a lot of Lucha Libre uh, competitors from Impact's past, present, and future are part of this event. You're kind of like the guest of honor as part of this thing. I assume you're excited to be a part of it. Yeah, it's always good to come home. Some of my best work I did with LAX, both iterations, um, you know, Hernandez and Homicide, and then later Santana and Ortiz. I've always had a good time and considered it my home. We haven't gone over creatively what I'm going to do yet. Probably I'll find out when I get there. I know they have like this Lucha Fest uh, Sunday at 5 p.m. at Cicero Stadium Mm -hmm. with me, Laredo Kid, Taurus, Juventud Guerrera, Samurai Dosol, and uh, we're going to be up 
there chopping it up with the fans, socializing, and but I don't know creatively what I'm going to be doing yet. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of notable names to be a part of this thing. In addition to yourself, uh, that's coming off the heels of Bound for Glory on Saturday. I feel like there's no better time to have an event like this to honor Lucha Libre than over Impact Wrestling's biggest weekend of the year, right? Yeah. And um, is it Hispanic Heritage Month still or no? It, uh, I think, well, I think it's September 15th, October 15th. So I think it just ended officially a couple of days ago. Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep the party going in Cicero. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I would like to say something for those. Do you watch Impact? I do, of course, every week. Okay. You know, I would put in, I would, I would seriously investigate, and this is to Scott Tuggles Diamore, head of Impact, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and his boss, I think his name is Ed Helm, uh, something Helms, okay? <laughs> I would seriously investigate the validity of a one Dr. Ross Foreman. He's going under the guise of a doctor. And I know that he's got some certificates. He said he graduated from said college, but I'd check that. I'd check that very closely. What is your name? My name's Graham. Graham. I would check. I would look into that. If I were you do your, your <laughs> due diligence, your journalistic. Yeah. Cause I don't think he's a doctor whatsoever. If he is, he's not a good one at all, but Listen. they do have, huh? No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say something else. Well, I just wanted to bury Ross. Um, <laughs> and so there's some good matches. There's some really good matches here. Josh Alexander versus Alex Shelley for the world title. Josh used to be the champion. Now it's Alex, Yeah. you know, overdue because he's been such a great wrestler. You know, Mickey James versus Trinity is going to be good. Um, Chris Sabin versus Kenta for the X Division. This one's. Re- I really want to see this one. Osprey versus Mike Bailey. That's going to yep. be off the hinge uh abc versus rat it's a good show you know it's a good show uh, bound for glory i think it's sold out yep. so um yeah you can watch that probably on fight tv is that the right place or no i think so you're Come plugging on. it all over the place can't go in right. yeah well, that's the place to watch yeah it. no um, yeah it, it's looking like a great show on sunday and i feel like with some of the matches that you mentioned specifically will osprey and mike bailey uh abc and the rascals i feel like it's so fitting that the event is on sunday where Bond for Glory is on Saturday, but the Lucha Libre events on Sunday, because I feel like they kind of go hand in hand with the way that Lucha Libre has kind of inspired the style, obviously, of just wrestling today, but specifically an impact uh, with the matches such as those. I assume you see the similarities there as well and how Lucha Libre has kind of paved the way for what we're seeing today all across wrestling, but specifically with a show like Bound for Glory coming up on Saturday. Well, it's just funny because in 96, 97, which is kind of the era that I wrestled in and brought in all the Mexican talent, you know, they were being made fun of. Nobody knew the style. The commentators would talk about other matches. And now it's incredible to see that, you know, 25 plus years later, wrestling's more Lucha centric than ever. Mm hmm. You see a lot of stuff from Lucha. A lot of it is badly done, by the way. But you see a lot of stuff that you got from Lucha Libre, you know, and everybody has luchadors on their roster. Every promotion in the world has a Lucha match. You know, I'm very proud of that because when when we came in, there was no Lucha. Nobody was doing Lucha on TV, you know. And now, look, it's really revolutionized the sport in a lot of ways. When you mention how like there's a lot of people or some people that are doing it poorly, or who are some people that you think are doing it great and representing Lucha Libre wrestling so well nowadays uh, in Impact and, and just in general? Well, 
we would have to talk about non-Mexicans because all Mexicans do it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's um, right. Yeah. Uh, bro, they've actually really, to me, like clipped his wings, but like Ricochet. Mm-hmm. He's really, he's really, really talented. Can do a lot of cool lucha shit. For some reason, they told him to tone it down. Somebody that works there said they were going to start to let him go again. I hope they do because he's incredible. Um, uh, the Young Bucks, they were actually trained in Lucha Libre. And it's kind of funny because I didn't know this till way later when it happened. A kid that I consider my protege called um, Ron... I'll remember his name, but um, Mm -hmm. he actually helped train the Young Bucks, you know, and so he he used to come to the shows that I used to run in Tijuana and kind of soak up game and then come back to L.A. and do his own version of that. And he trained them. So the Young Bucks, another one that they do lucha very well, too. Um, Those are two that come to the top of my head. Like there's so many people that kind of uh, embody that style now, obviously outside of, you know, the usual Mexican wrestlers and whatnot across all these companies and an impact as well. Was there for like you, Conan, as far as like a turning point where you saw a lot more influence of Lucha Libre? I mean, again, through the 90s and the 2000s, was there any one point that you would pinpoint saying, yeah, I think this is when it really kind of crossed over? Not in the main, I mean, it's obviously always influenced wrestling, but into the U.S. wrestling scene. And it was like, all right, this was the point where it really kind of broke through, if that makes sense. No, it's just been a gradual thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Ray with his great matches, Eddie with his great charisma and his great matches, you know, um, just kids growing up and going, okay, I don't have to be 6'5 and weigh 300 pounds anymore. I can be 5'5. Five, five. You know, I can start very young like, you know, the Mexican wrestlers did and like you see a lot of American wrestlers nowadays. So they kind of broke the blueprint and they kind of, you know, I think younger guys, they didn't want to be doing the – Hogan leg drop or the bear hug or some bullshit boring move from the seventies <laughs> and eighties. They were like, bro, I want to flip and I want to fly. I want to do that, you know? Yeah. And I think they really revolutionized the game. Yeah. But I was just saying, as far as, you know, who you mentioned Juventud Guerrero, Samurai, Dol Sol, uh, Tarus, and so many other names as part of impact right now, that are going to be part of this event coming up on Sunday. Does it ever cease to amaze you what some of these luchadors are capable of? I mean, even some stuff that we see today is just mind-blowing. You would think by now, especially with you having been in the business for as long as you have been, that you would think you've seen it all. But there's still stuff from week to week in all these companies, in, in Impact, in your own promotions, and elsewhere in Mexico, that it's just like, wow, I, I can't believe that I'm still seeing the evolution of wrestling, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, because that happens in everything. Like I remember when I first started to see like skateboarding or the X Games, you know, 20 years ago. And now look what they're doing now. You know, you're always trying to up the ante and you look at basketball. Like I remember when I was a kid, the center in basketball was always around the rim and he could only do like layups or a dunk. That Mm -hmm. was it. Now you've got the center shooting three pointers, you know, and they can dribble like a guard. So you're always going to see the evolution of athleticism in any sport because that's the nature of the game. You're trying to evolve and do better and outdo the other guy, right? So it never surprises me in wrestling. There's always going to be somebody that's going to come along and be better than you, you know, and there's going to be somebody that's going to take the, you know, push push the, the envelope, you know what I'm saying? I mean, speaking of surprises, as far as Juventud Guerrero being a part of this show, I mean, this is his right. first, you know, coming back to TNA Impact for the first time since 2005, which is crazy. And he's still doing it at a high level. 
again, kind of an obvious right. answer, but I would assume for you specifically, him being back as part of this event, not only very cool, but does it surprise you to still see him killing it at this stage of his career at the level that he is? Or again, is it more of just expected at this point? No, because, you know, he's always stayed in shape and he's one of the greatest wrestlers ever, bro, because, you know, Rey Mysterio, who definitely deserves a lot of the credit for revolutionizing wrestling. It wasn't just him. It, to me, it was him, Juventud, and Psychosis. Mm-hmm. Those were the three that revolutionized the game. There's a before them and an after them. And one thing's to be good, one thing's to be great, one thing's to be a superstar, and another thing's to revolutionize a sport. That's a whole different level, my friend. You know, so, you know, I give him props. Me and who we've had our ups and downs. He's always been like the rebellious little brother. Um, and uh, But we're right now, we're really cool. There was a point where we weren't even talking. Mm-hmm. But it's good to see him. He stays in shape. He's still charismatic. He's still out there doing his thing, just like Ray is, you know. I feel like Guerrero is one of those guys that doesn't get enough credit as much. I mean, for all the credit that he does get, he deserves more credit. Just Lucha Libre in general for, you know, inspiring the style. He does. He does. But the problem with him is that he's gotten so much heat over the years for shit he's done that that hurts you. Where people don't want to give you your flowers if you've, you know, been involved in a lot of, it's like me. I'm very outspoken and a lot of people don't like me because I'm outspoken, you know, but that's. Mm -hmm. It's not a gimmick. That's who I am. Yeah. And then that's that's still who you are to this day, right? Right. And since they don't like me, they don't want to give me my flowers. But, bro, I'm at a point in my life where I don't fucking need flowers from anybody. <laughs> sure. they, they, they're always calling me and they're always telling me, uh, oh, Conan, you know, can we come down here and give you a Legends Award? Can we come down here and give you this award or that award? And it's like, okay, I don't need to travel like three hours on a plane and mm-hmm. sleep in a hotel and not at my house to hear people put me over for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like maybe when I was younger, I needed that, but I don't need it now, you know? So I don't care who gives me or who doesn't give me my flowers. I'm employed. I'm doing what I love. I give results. or If not, I wouldn't be here. And this is what I like to do, you know? Yeah. You mentioned, listen, Conan, you're a legend. You're at a point in your career, like you said, where you don't have to go out and do this sort of stuff. So I think it speaks volumes that you're going to be a part of this event with impact because we don't see you do this sort of stuff often. So I think it makes this appearance coming up this weekend that much more special. Yeah, and I do that on purpose because that way I don't oversaturate myself. Mm -hmm. You're like, enough already with this guy, uncle. You know, like, you know, we get it. You like to be on TV, you know, so... (laughs) My whole thing is if it doesn't creatively stimulate me or it isn't for a friend, there's a good chance I'm not going to do it. No, that makes sense. And uh, another guy going to be a part of the show, Samurai Del Sol, you mentioned earlier. Just talk about him from what you've seen of his work and now he's doing his thing in Impact. And he's just another fantastic performer that doesn't often get his flowers as often as he should because he's quite good. Um, How exposed well, have you been to his work? Uh, very exposed. He used to work in AAA. I had given him the gimmick of Octagon Jr. Mm -hmm. And I think his dream was always to be in WWE. So he didn't take the gimmick. I think he did a couple, he did, he he did a couple vignettes and a couple matches. And then immediately he went to ring of honor because, you know, Gabe Spokolsky, the guy that was running ring of honor at Mm -hmm. that time had a connection with WWE through evolve. So his thing was stay with me and I'll get you into WWE, which obviously he did. But Samurai Doso was never really forthright with me on that. But that's cool. Um, he, uh, very good talent. I think the problem with him 
was 1,000% creative. They put him in the wackiest, corniest, bro. You're a grown man coming to the ring with piñatas? Okay, dude. You know, piñatas is like for kids. It's something that's a, it's a thing that kids hit with sticks, you know, like three, like two to five-year-olds, mm-hmm. you know? So that was, you know, some white guy probably wrote that thinking it was cool. They probably didn't want to make any waves and said at least we're on TV and didn't say anything. But those storylines, that type of shit, the way they were booked, did no did him no favors and you know perception is everything if you're booked like a star you're going to get treated like a star if you get booked like a j bro and you're going to get you're going to look like as a j bro by the fans and i think that him lindsay dorado who is the other guy metallic yeah yeah they were looked at as fucking straight j brones and they're just all I'm fantastic not, and i'm not i'm not hating i'm just stating you know what i'm saying yeah no listen i mean it's they're all great talents they've obviously all landed on their feet and have all had stints and impact at one point right. or another in the last couple of months it honestly i don't know maybe maybe it's just me but i feel like it's still surprising that we see that sort of stuff in wrestling nowadays like that representation as far as like the pinata i'll wrestling. tell you why it's very easy bro it's very easy because you have no mexican no Latino, no African-Americans in any positions of power. Mm-hmm. They're not producers. Tell me an African-American Latino producer you've heard of or a no. writer. No. There it is. Yeah, just that representation. And I think that's the important thing. Bro, you couldn't have one. You can't have one or two Latino writers on your staff. You can't have one or two African-American writers on your staff. You can't have one or two female writers on your staff. Even though at the end of the day, because I explained this to a, a guy that did a show with me that's pretty well known, very well known. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, well, I don't know how to write for Mexicans because it was a Lucha Libre show. And I was like, don't think about writing for Mexicans. Just think about writing for a human being because what we're doing here is we're manipulating emotions. Mm-hmm. Emotions, every African-American, every Latino, everybody's been sad, mad, fucked over, jealous you know, greedy, we can all identify with those traits. So it doesn't matter what nationality it is, but there are cultural things that only an African-American or Latino or an Asian or whatever it is, is going to be able to say, hey, do this because our fan base will understand it and they're going to like it. That's why you need to have that type of, you need to have a, I remember one time this was actually hilarious. Do you remember, uh, I, well, I know you didn't see it live, but have you ever seen on tape, the Dean Martin roast? No, I haven't seen that. Okay, but you you know what a roast is, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Right. So Dean Martin was kind of like the first ones that started on TV. He was like, do you know who Dean Martin was or no? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So he's like this cool guy that was always drunk on TV, yeah. you know, like kind of a ladies' man. And so he would have these roasts, but they were really like – you can imagine all the shit you could get away with in the 70s that you can't <laughs> yeah, get away then, now, yeah, right? For sure. Right. So there was a comedian there. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Have you ever heard of Red Fox? No, I have not. Have you ever seen the show Sanford and Son? I've heard of it. haven't seen it. Okay. When you get a chance, watch one show and tweet me. I, I'm, at, I'm on X, Twitter, whatever, yeah, yeah. at Conan5150, and tell me if you liked it. Red Fox was hilarious, okay? Mm-hmm. What a great name, Red Fox. <laughs> so he, was, um, he, was, he did a Dean Martin roast, and he went up there. And he bombed and he goes, I told you, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have, uh, I should have written my, my own material and not leave it up to a white guy. 
you know, so at the end of the day, you know, can you imagine like a white guy trying to write shit for Dave Chappelle? Yeah. That'd be terrible. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying. That's what that, even though we have more inclusion in wrestling, Mm -hmm. where it really counts backstage, there's not really much. No, it's a great message to send. I think, uh, you know, every company can learn from that for sure. And I think, uh, you know, to tie it back into this event, I think stuff like this helps, you know, with the representation and honoring it and stuff like that, having more voices and positions that matter, like you said, and important positions of power. And uh, as we wind yeah. down here, Conan, just talking about, you know, everyone a part of this event coming up, uh, you know, with the Lucha Libre celebration, just talking about the advice, like the talent of today in Lucha Libre, what advice do you have for them? And when they come to you for advice, because obviously you've, you're a legend, Conan, what, what advice can you bestow upon them? I always tell them the same thing and hardly nobody ever listens. Learn English. Most of them don't. And that's a big, that holds them back because you can't really do autograph signings. You can't do like, you know what I'm saying? Vignettes. Yeah. You, have, you have to have somebody come in and talk for you. Um, so that's my main thing. Learn English, you know, and learn the style because obviously there's a different psychology and a different style between Mexican American. Um, but I think it's easier for a Mexican to learn the American style than it is for an American to learn the Mexican style. Has there been anyone that's taken that advice from the current crop of wrestlers that's taken that to the next level? The only guy, and he isn't really on TV yet, and he should be, is Daga. Daga's great. Yeah. He's another one to keep an eye out for. So now a lot yeah, of great he talents. Just had a, he just had a tryout in AEW. But, um, yeah, he's he's really good. He speaks English really well. And he he's I love him because I always tell the heels – because the heels always do things that kind of pop the crowd. Yeah. And I'm like, let me see if I got this right. I'm in the crowd. I'm seeing you do something cool. And I'm seeing him do something cool. Who am I supposed to boo? Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, you're making the match that much harder for the baby face. Let him do all the baby face shit. When you're a baby face, you can do the baby face shit. But you're dividing the crowd. You're having some of them applaud for you, some of them applaud for them. It's way easier, majority like him. There's always going to be some people that are contrarian. But the the best heat is when that majority is with him and the majority hates you, you know. Um, and so Daga's a real heel. Like I always tell him from the minute you get from the minute you get in the parking lot, don't sign autographs. Get your heat. If you want to after the show, do it. But don't do it before the show. Get your heat. People go, what a dick. Get your fucking heat. You know, yeah. don't, if somebody has a sign that says, Daga, you're number one, don't go over there and pose by the fucking sign. Rip it up. Yeah. You know, get your fucking heat. People are going to understand you're doing a part. They're going to like you. I know you're trying to sell t-shirts like everybody else is, but if you commit to your character, people will buy your t-shirt as a heel because you know how to be a heel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to get that past the young generation because everybody wants to be liked and everybody wants to be loved and everybody nobody nobody can talk bad about you you're going to melt or they're not your friend you know it's just a different generation and it's not i'm not the old man at clouds it is what it is it's the lost art of wrestling and i hope we can see more of it you know in the future because there are certain people that that get it that that do exactly yeah. what you're talking about yeah. it's very far Look at mjf yeah oh yeah he's the he's the king of it but you know, hopefully more people can do it going forward because that's like the lost art of wrestling. It's uh, it's wise words, Conan, which is why I'm looking forward to seeing you part of this event coming up this weekend. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make it, but 
hopefully at some right. point down the road, I'll be able to catch up with you. But uh, like you said, people can find you on Twitter at uh, Conan5150. I'll definitely check out Red Fox. And the uh, what was the name of the yes. show you mentioned? Uh, Sanford and Son. Sanford and Son. Okay. Hilarious. I've heard it, but I haven't and, seen it. Yeah. And then um, uh, if you want to check me out on my podcast where we do everything from wrestling to sports, to pop culture, to politics, that. It's, uh, it's called Keeping It 100 with Conan, and it's on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, YouTube, everything. Boom. You've been doing it. You've been in the game for a long time, Conan. People got to check out your stuff and uh, you know, hear your wise words for all the wrestlers out there and fans as well. So uh, looking forward to it, Conan. Thanks so much for taking the time, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much, my friend. Have a awesome. good one. Thanks, Conan. You all too. right. Big thanks to Conan for the time. He was certainly an interesting chat. Check out our video going up on YouTube soon over at youtube.com backslash WrestleRan. And like we said during the interview many, many times, be sure to check out the event coming up on Sunday in Chicago. Bound for Glory Fallout from Impact, the Lucha Libre celebration hosted by Conan himself. Now we move on to my conversation with Mr. Marceau, breaking down a very eventful past week in the world of wrestling from the season premiere of SmackDown, the season premiere of Raw, and now the part two, I guess, season premiere of WrestleRant Radio. We might as well label every episode the season premiere of WrestleRant Radio, Mr. Marceau, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, it could be every week. I think we might need to start do every week better ratings, I think, though. <laughs> I think so. Uh, we got the new graphic and got got everything going now as part of the next era of, of WrestleRant Radio, so listen... Why not now to make it the season premiere of WrestleRant Radio? We'll label it, or I, I guess last week I called it the season premiere. This is the season premiere part two. We're getting Halloween Havoc part one and two starting next week. We'll have some thoughts on that coming up a little bit later on in the show. Um, but I do want to start off, Mr. Marceau, with the obvious, with SmackDown last week. Now, we don't really typically talk about SmackDown, and it's been almost a week by the time you know we, we, this goes up, obviously. Um, but it was a very eventful episode, a very good show. From the Blue Brand last Friday night. A um, lot of stuff going on, which we got to get into here. Uh, first one being, we finally found out who was traded to SmackDown in exchange for Jey Uso going to Raw, who we'll get to a little bit later on. They had a undisputed WWE tag team title defense on Raw this week, as well as on SmackDown, um, Jey Uso and Cody Rhodes. But Jey Uso moving to Raw, we finally found out last week who's headed to SmackDown, and that's Kevin Owens, uh, the former undisputed WWE Tag Team Champion, being separated from Sami Zayn, arriving on SmackDown last week, immediately taking it to Dominic Mysterio, who is a Raw superstar. So if you ever needed proof as to why the brand split does not exist or it does not matter, right there is your evidence. Just because they're all they're making a big deal about, oh, Kevin Owens is on the blue brand now. Even though he was on the blue brand, not officially, but it was constantly appearing on SmackDown pretty much weekly um, earlier on this year while feuding with the Bloodline. And now he's back on SmackDown, I guess officially now, even though Dominic's not on SmackDown. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But they have uh, told the story that he's being separated from Sammy because of Cody. If Cody didn't get Jada Raw, then Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn would still be together. I love the subtle storytelling here. And I think Kevin Owens has a bright future ahead of him on SmackDown as a single superstar for the first time in a while. Uh, so give me your rundown. Give me your thoughts on uh, Kevin Owens moving to SmackDown and whether you saw this coming. Because I know we've talked about Cody Rhodes being the obvious choice. But I think Cody Rhodes has more to do on Raw for right now, and moving Kevin Owens instead might make more sense in the interim. No, yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, I think I saw reports like a, a couple of days before it'd probably be Kevin, but I do think I like it just because him and Sammy were just like a tag team guys that were on Raw, and I feel like they just needed to split up. I think Sammy, they were teaming up basically since Sammy lost to Roman in Elimination Chamber, so I think they're two singles guys that could use a split, go Kevin over to SmackDown, and then. And then Sammy stays on Raw. But I think it's a good split for both of them. Um, I think we haven't seen Sammy in the singles action in a while, especially as a babyface. 
Um, so that's a good start for him. And then Kevin, a nice fresh start on, on SmackDown, who, I mean, they don't really have a ton of top baby faces. So I don't hate it. Like, besides Ray, who's seemingly going to go against Logan Paul, I just I feel like there really isn't too many top-tier SmackDown baby faces. So I, I like that. Basically, Jay going over, flip Kevin, and then we'll see more of Kevin getting his own spotlight as well. I think it's a worthy trade because Jay Uso has really emerged in the last couple of months as a big breakout babyface. I mean, we kind of expected that about a month ago when he first moved to Raw and then coming out of SummerSlam, but, you know, he's really grown into his own in that main event Jay Uso role. He's main evented Raw, former now former tag team champion. Again, we'll get into that soon enough. Um, but if Jay Uso is going to be a single star going into WrestleMania, maybe even coming out of WrestleMania, once the Jimmy Uso feud is done, I don't think they just hug and make up and then go back to being a tag team. I honestly, I think at this point... The money in Jay is on his own, which I never thought I would say even a year ago, let alone five years ago, ten years ago. You know, check the archives. I've constantly said the Usos are stronger together than they are apart. But Jay Uso, in the last three years since this whole Bloodline stuff started, has really come into his own as a great dynamic character in the ring, on the mic, just an overall character. I think he can do well on his own on Raw, and I think um, you know Jimmy Uso. The jury is still out. He's still kind of doing the Bloodline thing. But Kevin Owens is a very popular babyface in his own right. And moving him to SmackDown in exchange for Jay, to me, makes sense. Um, what do you see Kevin Owens doing on SmackDown? You know, kind of like for right now, because he's not going back after the Bloodline. He should not go back after the Bloodline. We've already seen him and Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble, not once, not twice, but three times since 2017. No real reason to you know kind of revisit that rivalry. Um, the United States Championship, we'll talk about in a second. Uh, being currently in in the mix with Rey Mysterio and the LWO Profits and Lashley. Logan Paul going back after the uh, going after the Star Spangled Prize for the first time coming up at Crown Jewel presumably again we'll get into that momentarily. Um, where does Kevin Owens go for right now? Does he? I would assume probably feud with Austin Theory and Grayson Waller for now, and then after that maybe after Roman loses the championship, ideally at WrestleMania, uh, maybe he can go after the championship. And again, there's a story to be told there with Cody Rhodes when he becomes champion, very likely at WrestleMania, and Cody moves over to SmackDown to kind of. Uh, honor his commitments as the WWE champion, then you could do an Owens and Cody feud and turn Cody, or rather Kevin at that point, for blaming Cody for getting him moved to SmackDown, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, maybe him and Bobby Lashley. I'm, I'm just kind of struggling to think what the obvious direction is right now for Kevin Owens on SmackDown since he's probably not going after that world championship anytime soon, nor should he. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, definitely. I think looking, just skimming through the SmackDown roster right now, like you said, I think the only thing immediately that makes sense is Theory and Waller. I, mean, I I think they should probably get more wins to kind of solidify themselves. But besides that, I mean, yeah, like you said, Lashley and the Profits are dealing with LWO. There really isn't other big-time heels. Like, I mean, Karrion Cross, but we haven't even seen him in a little bit. Um, there really isn't anyone else for him to go after unless you're going, like you said, right into the bloodline or he continues the feud with the Judgment Day. But... I guess you would just say Theory and Waller, but besides, like I said, besides that, there really isn't anyone of note that is at least free. Everyone else is kind of dealing with other storylines, so I would, I would say that I guess that would be the first thing you do with them. It honestly probably will be Karrion Cross, who I totally forgot about until you mentioned his name. And I like Karrion Cross a lot, but I just think he's at a point now with the way he's been booked since he came back over a year ago where he's just dead in the water. Would you agree with that? Is he? We use this term a lot damaged goods. Is he damaged goods yet? I mean, I wouldn't go quite that far. I think he can be rebuilt, but he's endured enough losses and enough important high-profile losses. I mean, they lost to AJ Styles three times over the summer. Didn't beat him a single time, and he 
Hasn't been seen since that last match, maybe a month or two ago. And I saw these reports, again, from uncredible sources as far as, you know, he's getting a push and Triple H back in charge. They want to reboot Karrion Cross. I haven't seen that from any credible source, and I can't say I believe that because I feel like if that was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Um, but what what do you think the outlook is for Karrion Cross on SmackDown? Is he done, or is there more that can be done to kind of rebuild him? Is there hope for Karrion Cross fans out there? I think there's hope. I mean, I don't think he's like dead and buried at this point, but I think it's, at this point it's pretty much this next move with him is either boom or bust. I mean... With someone like Cross, I, I, I liked what they did originally when he debuted. He went right after Drew, won originally, and then lost a feud. But it's tough. When you go in a feud, especially, I mean, I don't know if this is booking one-on-one, but I just feel like if you're going up against a top guy, especially once you presumably win, which he didn't at the end, you would then go right in the title picture. But he went right in that, and then he went downgraded from there. And like you said, just lost a ton coming out of that Drew feud. And just seemingly... The crowd wasn't really with him. It was kind of like a hit row 2.0. I mean, they were there at the beginning, and then a couple months went by, started eating more losses, and the crowd kind of gave up. And then they seemingly haven't done anything with them since. Like you said, lost to AJ. It's tough because I feel like with SmackDown specifically, like he's not going for the main title because Roman's a heel. He's not going after that. I feel like he contended maybe a little bit for the U.S. title, never won it. It's just tough. It's tough for SmackDown to specifically be a heel because – if you're not winning the U.S. title or in that picture, there really isn't anything for you to do right now. That's what I feel like. It's tough to picture what they do with him because Theory and Grayson are, like, they're not doing anything. And I would say, like, they're, like, pretty much the next guys with, like, Bobby and the Prophets who are feuding with the LWO. But besides that, there really isn't anything for them to do. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. It's at, it's at a weird spot right now where there's a lot of guys on SmackDown where I feel like they don't really have an obvious direction and Karrion's one of them. Um, if they really wanted to reboot him, I could see them doing it. I'm just not really sure how they go about it. Because, again, he's lost to Drew. He's lost to AJ Styles. He's lost to Rey Mysterio a bunch of times. Um, I'm not, I mean, there's LA Knight, I guess. But LA Knight is so hot right now that, I mean, it, 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 that would be just a step down for LA Knight. If that feud were to happen anytime soon. But let's talk about LA Knight. He is officially, not officially, but presumably, the number one contender for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship at Crown Jewel, uh, beating Solo Sokoa by pinfall on Friday SmackDown, being only one of three people to do it on the main roster, Cody being the first be right before WrestleMania, Jey Uso being the second right before SummerSlam a couple of months ago, and now LA Knight. Albeit not clean, but still he beat him. Uh, an impressive feat, nonetheless. Uh, he's on his way and white hot right now to uh, Crown Jewel to challenge for the championship. So he's obviously not winning, but your thoughts about them moving right into this match right now? Because we just talked about last week. Oh, you know, I would probably wait until the Rumble or maybe even Survivor Series. They're jumping into it right now. I thought AJ Styles would come back on the show and we would get Roman and AJ on that show. But it sounds like they're saving AJ or rather Roman and AJ probably for Survivor Series. Um, I had seen, I think yesterday, that AJ's being advertised for that post-Crown Jewel edition of SmackDown. So... That would seem to make sense. But, uh, yeah, your thoughts on LA Knight being moved into that role right now for the Undisputed Championship at Crown Jewel? Yeah, I was honestly pretty shocked. We talked about it last week. I just felt like I saw reports and seemed like the direction they're going and was Cena first. But uh, seemingly we're going to get him and Roman and Knight uh, at Crown Jewel. I don't know if I like it or hate it. I don't know if they're just – because I just feel like once he loses the Roman, it's like when then wouldn't do you yeah. do with him. Yeah. I just feel like – also, if you do it now and he's in the rumble and doesn't win, people are going to be pissed, which, I mean, I guess he could win. I don't think it's a – I wouldn't say he's my betting favorite to win right now. But 
don't know. It's kind of weird, but like maybe they're trying to like really get on his popularity. Like, I mean, he's fucking way hot now. I mean, I don't think it's going to fall off in three months, but I think that's the only thing I could think of that comes to my head that that's why they do it right now. Just maybe they're just, he's so hot right now. They want to capitalize on it, but I just also don't think he's going to fall off like a cliff in three months. So we'll see. Like you said, I don't think there's really any chance for him to win here, but um, it's interesting. Like I said, I guess he, it, it, it's, I would say that's what I've come out of. It's just very interesting because I feel like I would have waited, mm-hmm. um, but they're seemingly going right into it. Uh, well, listen, we've talked about it as far as make doing it at the Rumble would make the most sense just because for the exact reason that you mentioned, if he's in the Rumble match, then he's going to be the fan favorite to win the entire thing for the, on the babyface side. But if he's challenging Roman Reigns on that show for the championship then people won't get their hopes up for him winning the Royal Rumble. The exact same scenario, albeit a little bit different, with Sami Zayn earlier this year. Everyone wanted him to win that match and go on to face Roman at WrestleMania. That was never going to happen. It was always going to be Cody Rhodes. But they dodged that bullet by people booing Cody when he won by not even putting Sami in it. And it's not like he wasn't even on the show. He was involved in the Roman Reigns main event against Kevin Owens for the championship. So it made sense, and they closed out the show on a great note with Sami Zayn, setting up his title match for Elimination Chamber in Montreal as opposed to WrestleMania. So they could have avoided that whole LA Knight inevitable debacle at the Royal Rumble by just having him face Roman there. Could they do a rematch with him there? Sure, but I mean, having him lose twice to Roman probably isn't ideal. (laughs) I don't want to see a non-finish at Crown Jewel. So, yeah, I don't know what they do with him in the interim if he loses, when he loses, rather, at Crown Jewel, because he's not beating Roman Reigns. Um, But I do have a slight idea. I tweeted this, I think, right after SmackDown, and I've been thinking about I've been sitting on this for a couple days. What are your thoughts on the possibility, and again, the the timing doesn't really work out because Mania is not for another six months. I don't know how they're going to bridge the gap. But I do think Logan Paul, he's going to be on SmackDown on, 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 on this Friday, excuse me, and also on Raw next week. But on SmackDown, we know he's uh, you know, confronting Rey Mysterio, who's responding to Logan's challenge after winning his fight last week. So that's probably the match for Crown Jewel, presumably for the United States Championship. Why wouldn't it be? Because Logan Paul says he wants that title. I think Logan Paul's winning that championship. He said in an interview earlier this year when he resigned with WWE that he wants gold. I don't think it's going to be the world championship. I don't think it should be the world championship. Logan Paul is great, but if he's going to be a part-timer, it probably should be a mid-card title. Now, what I don't like about that is that it would take him away from SmackDown at a time where we also don't have a world champion you know, full-time either, with Roman Reigns still being champion, probably until Mania. Um, but I do think Logan Paul takes the title. I could see LA Knight being the one to dethrone him, probably a WrestleMania. I'm surprised they haven't done Logan Paul versus LA Knight already after their interactions going into Money in the Bank, at Money in the Bank, they never really followed up on that, and I think the reason being is that they want to save that for, like, a Mania, and that's a big spot for LA Knight to be in. Get a singles match at Mania if it's not for the WWE Championship or the World Heavyweight Championship, he can challenge for the U.S. title and win it there, his first singles title on the main roster. Um, So your thoughts on LA Knight's road to WrestleMania and that being a potential option, and also your thoughts just in general on Logan Paul challenging for the United States Championship at Crown Jewel. Yeah, I think, like you said, I like that idea. Um, like I said, I'm not sure exactly how you bridge the gap. I, I mean, we still have to see what's happening with the bloodline. Maybe if they do the war games at Survivor Series, he's stuck in that. And we kind of get towards a rumble. Maybe LNA costs them. I don't know. You get somewhere. You find it out. I don't think I'm worried about that. I do think that's a good match. You said if it's not going for the main side, I think that'd be like a nice spot for him. Uh, win gold there and finally kind of cement his singles run. Because he's over, but, I mean, he's got nothing to show for it. So, um I feel like the title could kind of solidify that he's a top player and kind of move towards a world title, WWE Universe, or whatever the hell you want to call it, in 2024. So, 
No, I like that idea um, with Paul. Like you said, I, I think it's a good idea for him to win mid-card belt, but like you said, specifically for SmackDown, don't overly love it because then if he's champion, I, I don't see him going to Corpus Christi on a random Friday mm-hmm. night in November. So I think then it would be kind of a sucky experience because then you'd have both main singles titles gone from, from SmackDown on a weekly basis. I mean, maybe we get more emphasizing the women, maybe the tag team division, but mm-hmm. I would say ideally that's not ideal. Yeah, no, I listen on the bright side. I mean, just weighing the pros and cons between what you mentioned and what I mentioned. I think the match between him and Ray is going to be great, too. That's a fresh match, and I know they, they talked about the uh, you know, possibility of them facing off when Ray was on his podcast earlier this year. I think that'll be a great match. What I also don't really like about it is that I've always envisioned Santos Escobar being the one to dethrone Rey Mysterio as champion. They had their match a couple of weeks ago, and, and Ray won. But the way Santos sold that loss made you think, all right, this guy's going to be coming for a rematch, turning heel at some point. I, I could see a scenario where Santos maybe is the one to cost Rey Mysterio that championship or maybe cost him the rematch, and they have their feud, just not over the United States Championship. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you could do something that, like, even if he doesn't cost him the belt, like, he's just mad that he didn't give him the mm-hmm. rematch and he got it, like, he gave it to Logan first. I don't know. Like, you could do something like that. I mean... I think Santos going heel is obviously where this is going. I like him a lot better as a heel anyway, so I hope that's the direction they're going in. But I don't think it has to specifically be over the the uh, United States Championship. But it probably definitely would help. I feel like even with the kind of branding of the LWO, it definitely hasn't helped. I think it's helped Zelina the most out of everyone. Mm-hmm. Even if, I would even say over Ray. Like, Ray doesn't need it. Like, I feel like Del Toro and Wild, even Escobar, I feel like the fans could, like, literally give a rat's ass when they hear the LWO music. With Zelina specifically, I feel like it's helped her tremendously. So I, I think the title would probably help people care a little bit more um, just because I think even with the branding, it doesn't hasn't helped Santos too much. But I think if he cost Ray, people would still kind of get into it. Mm-hmm. So I think it doesn't have to be for the title, but it probably would help. You can have an LWO Civil War with uh, Carlito having to choose a side or something like that. <laughs> Anything's possible, pal. Hey, listen, uh, Ray and Carlito team against, uh, you know, Walking Wild and Cruz del Toro and Santos or whatever it might be. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, just an option. Um, but I mentioned Roman Reigns and how, you know, he's probably facing LA Knight at Crown Jewel. He's probably facing AJ Styles at Survivor Series. I would have swapped the two or saved LA Knight for the Rumble, but they're doing those matches now. I don't know who Roman Reigns faces at the Rumble. I mean, Randy Orton's an option, by the way. Randy Orton is due back. Reportedly, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, but he could be due back by Survivor Series. And if they do a War Games match on that show, which apparently was the working plan, I don't know if it still is now that Vince has gone out of creative. I mean, that was a Triple H idea last year, so I would think they're still going to do it. Randy would make sense because it kind of throws a wrench into my plans for what the War Games match was going to be. We, we talked about War Games last week and what I would do with Owens and Zayn and um, Cody and Seth and uh, who was the other person? Drew? I don't remember, but I said something along those lines. As far, or Jay. Jay Uso. Yeah, Jay, that's what it was. Against the Judgment Day and Drew. That's not happening now. With Kevin Owens on SmackDown, that completely messes it up. I don't know if I can see more of Sami Zayn against the Judgment Day anyway. Could the War Games match be something Bloodline-related, where instead of 4-on-4 or 5-on-5, it's, you know, 3v3v3, kind of like what we saw with that initial War Games match back in 2017 in NXT, uh, with Roddy and AOP and Undisputed Era and Sanity and whatever, so... You know, there's a couple different directions they can go in. But anyway, so I think the ultimate endgame, though, regardless of what they do in the meantime, uh, at the Rumble, maybe Randy comes back, whatever, all roads, pun intended, 
will lead to Roman and Cody at WrestleMania. We've been skeptical about this. I mean, more so you than me as far as that we're getting this match. Not that I was a thousand percent sure of it. I'm just thinking, I, I, I've been saying for months, we have to get the match. There's no fucking way we don't get the match. I mean, there is a way that we could not get it because this is WWE, but it, it seems pretty set in stone at this point. They've made up their minds. I saw the report a couple days ago, oh, Rock and Roman, not expected for Mania 40. Then I was almost going to quote tweet and say, well, the sky's blue. What else is new? Uh, no shit, the match isn't going to happen. This was never going to happen. We were always, if it wasn't Rock, it was going to be someone facing Roman at Mania. Rock was never going to compete at Mania. I guess he still could or appear or something. I know the strike is still ongoing, the actor strike. He's just not going to commit to it. He's just not going to. I wish he'd be more realistic about that and just kind of talk about it like John Cena did, where John Cena said, I can't do both. I can't do the acting. I can't do the wrestling simultaneously. There's insurance issues, stuff like that. The Rock has never talked about that. He said he controls the schedule. My, my fucking ass. I mean, if he controlled the schedule, he would have been back by now. But anyway, and that's coming from someone who would like to see the match at some point, but I, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm kind of reserved to the idea that it's probably never going to happen. Um, but it's got to be Cody and Roman at WrestleMania coming off that face-off at the end of SmackDown last week, right? I mean, they planted the seeds. There's no way they don't do it after that, I think. No, I think it's definitely going to happen. Um, I mean, I, I'm ready to catch your tears when Roman beats him again. But um, no, I think that's exactly where it's going. But I mean, honestly, I'm not even convinced Cody will win. I mean, listen, I'm not. Con- I you can't be convinced. I said that going into Mania last year. I figured Cody would win, but you can't. I mean, I was shocked that he lost, but. You know, I said, you can't be too surprised if he loses because they really want to break these records with Roman. And I talked about this in an article today, actually, that with Roman Reigns, if he beats Cody again, which is a real possibility, you can't say, oh, there's he has to win. No, I mean, he, he does have to win, but that doesn't mean that he will win. <laughs> um, there's a big difference there. Um, he should win and he has to win, but that doesn't mean that they will book him to have him win. Um, you got to remember that the... Upcoming records, quote-unquote, there's only really one record, but, you know, they like to say that he'll surpass this person on the list, that person on the list, blah, blah, blah. Hogan has a record, or no, I'm sorry, Bruno has a record in early January that Roman's going to surpass by Mania. That That's not in doubt. Um, he's going to beat that record. That's like 1,000 in 200 days. He's already at like 1,000 in 100, so that's no real surprise. Um, come Mania, he'll be at 1,000 in like two or 300 or something. If they want to break the next record, and we've heard about this for a while, there's a Hogan record next September in a little less than a year. He would have been champion for four fucking years at this point if Roman retains at WrestleMania. Which they, if he if he retains at Mania, he's not losing it until Mania 41. We know this. Uh, he's not losing it in, in Des Moines at a house show. Um, yeah, so I, I think he would he would retain. He would break the Hogan record next September, which would be a thousand four hundred and something days. And then from there, I think he'd be the third longest reigning champion in company history. And I think the other two reigns are like seven years from Roman, or I'm sorry, from from San Martino. And another one might be a Bob Backlund one, which might be four or five. I don't remember. It's something, might be so five years. the Backlund years. one's 1470, the Hogan's 1474. Uh, that, so where are those on the list? Is that two and three or is that three and four? I think it's three and four, right? I have it shown as Bruno's the longest, 2008-03, Hogan's second with 1474, and Backlund's 1470. Wow, so there's so a... Re- two and three. And then Paige, uh, Bruno has another one that's 1237. Yeah, that's, that, that's the one that he would break in January. So, 
they really only have to have Roman hold the championship until next September, I think it is. And then he would break every record aside from Bruno. I mean, listen, it could happen. It's very possible, like you said, where he retains at WrestleMania and they go on to have him break all these. I mean, I don't think he's breaking Bruno's last record of what, fucking eight, seven years? That means we're not even that means we're not even in the third inning yet. We're still in like the, the top of the second. Um you know, the I, other I, thing is like technically so Bruno's record is from nineteen sixty three. Yep. So if he beats the Hogan record, they could say the longest reign in fifty years. Yeah, they could. That's they could so put like, that on. Teacher, have right? to beat Hogan <laughs> yeah, which is next September. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, at this point, just that would be Bruno's record at this point. <laughs> It'd be like another like seven years. It's so bad. No, it'd be another. Well, realistically, it'd be another like three or four years. Which yeah, but that's still that. Much. That's an eternity. <laughs> it's no, already been an eternity. Four years of Roman champion. No thanks. I'll be dead by then. Oh my <laughs> god. No thanks. Yeah. So yeah, he would have to basically be champion for another year, and he'd beat Hogan's record, and they could say he's the longest champion over fifty years. They could do it, but, dude. They could definitely do it. And then they just have him drop it in another year and a half in Mania 4. And it, you say it sounds crazy. I mean, we say it, we kind of talk about it like it sounds crazy. We sat here a year ago saying, how could they have him hold it for another year? He's already been champion for two years. And then here we are fucking a year later, and he's still been champion for over three years. Like, it's better now that we have two belts, obviously, but it's still not ideal. I mean, there's nothing for these people. I mean, he's not full-time either. I mean, that's the problem. He's, he defends it three times a year. No champion has ever defended it this this infrequently. No chance. Even like in the San Martino days, they had house shows and shit. Even um, Brock, Brock defended it more. I, that's what I'm saying. I think Roman probably has been the least defending champion. Not, no, I'm not saying his entire reign, because his whole reign, I think, has been among the greatest of all time. I've said that before. People just kind of think about the last year and how infrequently he's defended it. True, but overall, he's defended it a lot. This year alone, and probably next year if he retains, which I'm not saying he will or will not, he, yeah, definitely. Brock definitely defended it more when he was champion in 2015. Or I mean, he held the belt like seven times, but um, still, um, you know, it's pretty fucking dumb. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he should retain. I don't think he should hold on. I mean, he really shouldn't have retained at WrestleMania, and Cody Rhodes should have won. I said that every single week, but here we are, and he's still champion. So I, I think the bottom line here is do not be convinced that Cody Rhodes is walking out of WrestleMania and still champion. I'm convinced we're getting the match. I'm not, not convinced that he's winning yet. Until I hear that one, two, three, I'm not convinced that Cody Rhodes is walking out as champion. No, I mean, I, I'm I'm dead set that I mean. The thing is, I just don't know why would you do the match again just have Cody lose? I feel like it'd make him look like a fucking bigger loser here. Like, yeah. So I would just not do the match again. For, like, I just feel like putting him in at WrestleMania again to lose would be just the dumbest thing ever. Got to stretch out the story. <laughs> he needs more adversity. Guy can beat anybody, but like basically at that point, he beats everyone but Roman. Yeah, every, they could say that about anyone though. Everyone else can beat all these other people, but they can't beat Roman when it actually matters. Oh, Jesus. The guy's freaking a god among men in this company, and uh, he can't be beaten. And you know what? Actually, he's going to get hurt before he can break the record, and they're going to have to take the championship off of him anyway. No, there's whole, who, Cody? Or? Roman. How can he get hurt? He never works, pal. Yeah, true, but imagine the one match he does work, he has a serious injury where they take the belt off of him, and uh, he doesn't even get beaten for it. He just has to relinquish it. Maybe maybe he just drops it like Asuka did in NXT, where she has she's defeated everyone, so she just gives it up. Maybe that's what happens. I mean, honestly, if he got hurt, I feel like they'd still keep it on him. Yeah, no, they probably would. There's no way that he put four years of stock into one performer and then he just drops <laughs> it. No chance. I mean, there's a chance. Anything can happen, but 
That'd be pretty fucking terrible. Um, one last thing on the SmackDown side of things from last week's show. Nick Aldis is the new SmackDown GM. We got dueling GMs back with Adam Pearce running Raw now as the GM. I love this a lot. Not only the fact that we have GMs back, because I'm a big, you know, GM. Those are my initials. But I also just love the GM concept, and we haven't had it in almost five years. It was tired when they first moved away from it in 2018, but it feels fresh again. And listen, if you want to do a brand split right, you need general managers. And I think these are two guys, two former NWA World's Heavyweight Champions, that make the most sense. Adam Pearce has been around. He'll be exclusive to Raw. You don't have to overexpose him. And Nick Aldis, I think, is great for the role. Um, Hopefully, he does wrestle at some point. I saw some people say, oh, he's hurt. He's got a back injury. I mean, he said that months ago. I don't think that's just still the case. I think they just don't have any plans for him in the ring right now. Um, I hope they do put him in the ring at some point. He's only 34, 35, 36. He's really not old at all. And he can still go. He can still go, and he's still great. So, uh, But he's also a great talker, and I think he can make the most of this opportunity and the exposure he's going to get from being in that role. And maybe that's going to you know, fare even better for him when he goes in the ring at some point because people will have been exposed to him, they know who he is, as opposed to just bringing him in cold as a performer and then he just gets lost in the shuffle. So your thoughts, Mr. Marceau, and Nick Aldis as the new SmackDown GM running the blue brand with Adam Pearce running Raw over on Monday nights. Yeah, I think it's a good addition, if you, like you said, if you're really worried about uh, like the brand split and like having like so I like Adam Pierce, but like, so I feel like by the end he was just getting so tired. Some of my guys, poor guys, that go to every show. Like I, I'm glad they finally got someone else for SmackDown. Um, like I said, I guess like more if they have a draft and make more sense now. It's not like Adam Pierce is picking people for different shows. At least there's a different dynamic there. Um, like I so said, I think obviously there would be some money in him actually wrestling. I think with the GM role, like similar to what they do with like Shane McMahon, like he like. People thought he abused his power and they wrestled him at WrestleMania. I feel like you could do the same thing with all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe eventually get him like more of a actual in-ring competitor. But I think, like you said, at least like, exposing him here is better than just him coming in cold and no one knowing who he really is. Yeah, or just him going to NXT. I don't really think there's a place for him in NXT. I think he's outgrown NXT. I know Brian Pillman Jr., Lexus King is there. We'll talk about that in you know a little while. But you know, I think he's, he's, he's too big for NXT at this point. Him just going to the main roster as a GM, I think, makes the most sense. So, I'm a big fan of the move. I think he'll make the most of it, and he's a great talker. So, he's already doing a great job just one night in. So, I think he'll be a, a great fit as the GM of the Blue Brand. Uh, talking about Raw from Monday Night, the season premiere, a really good show. We had Gunter and uh, Bronson Reed for the Intercontinental Championship. I thought they ripped it up and had a really, really good match. More drama with Drew, and he's facing Sami Zayn next week and all this other sort of stuff. We talked about Kevin Owens earlier. Sami Zayn opened Raw on Monday night. I didn't ask you this at the time. I should have asked him when we were on the topic of Kevin Owens. But you mentioned Sami Zayn a little bit as far as what his future could hold on his own. What do you see his ceiling being on Raw on his own? This is the first time we've seen Sami Zayn on his own as a babyface in probably six years. Uh, He was with the Bloodline previously, and he's been a babyface since, you know, like March or whatever. But he was in a tag team with Kevin, so now he's finally back on his own. Is it the Intercontinental Championship? Is it the World Championship? I think both of those things are very possible with Sami Zayn. Now he's back to being on his own on Monday night. I think both. I would say both. I mean, I, I think the easy answer would say just Intercontinental. But I think he's over and up as a babyface. I mean, what we've seen with Rollins, I think anyone could be the World Champion at this point. Um, just, I mean, I just can't. The, the gimmick, I just I can't. The gimmick, I, I just can't. I'm just, it's literally gets me mad every week, but... Um, we're talking about Sammy here, but I think yeah, I think the easy answer is like oh yeah, IC title. But honestly, I think I think he could get a, a world heavyweight championship run. I mean, they teased it with him and Drew on Raw, but I, I think it's possible. I, I, I like Sammy a lot. I think he's obviously grown the last couple of years as a heel. 
Um, obviously reversed into a baby face, but I think it's possible. I, 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 I think Intercontinental obviously is more attainable. Um, maybe he's the one that beat Gunther. I don't know, mm. but um, I think World Championship should not be out of the question. No, I don't think so. I think it's more possible now that we have two world championships and not just one. He was never going to beat Roman Reigns. I mean, you know, people thought that. I know you thought that back at Elimination Chamber. Check the archives. But listen, it didn't happen because guess what? <laughs> Cody beat him at WrestleMania. So it was, oh, wait, he didn't. Never mind. Um, but still, though, I think Sami Zayn can win the World Heavyweight Championship at some point down the road. Um, I like the idea with Drew and him working with them and, and whatever. So the Drew stuff continues to be one of the better parts of the show. The slow, the slow burn heel turn. Heading into the Rollins match. I texted you the other day. I'm hoping Rollins beats him. I'm sorry, McIntyre beats Rollins at Crown Jewel. The Rollins character. Rollins, he, we, we already talked about Rollins last week, but the character is just, it's just, I don't even know what it's supposed to be. The outfits are just outrageous. He's over, so it's not like he's getting booed like he was four years ago when he was Universal Champion. But, like, I appreciate that he gets serious when he needs to, but I'm surprised we haven't already seen a shift of this character where he starts to become more serious consistently and not just when he needs to be motivated. He just comes out and does the song stuff forever, and it's just fucking annoying. Um, but, again, that's just... I would say that's just my opinion, but I know that's, that's an opinion that you share as well. So, I'm looking forward to their match with Crown Jewel, though. The other big development on Monday night was the fact that we have new undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions for the third time in six weeks. So, just to kind of catch everyone up here, we had at Payback a, uh, a month and a half ago... Owens and Zayn dropped the belts to the Judgment Days, Finn Balor and Damian Priest. A month later, at Fastlane, or five weeks later, actually, um, the Judgment Day then lose the belts to Cody and Jay. I wasn't sold on it, but they work so well as a team. They can go to SmackDown, they can interact with Roman, blah, blah, blah. Cool, like, I think that's, that makes a lot of sense, and there's a lot of uh, different things you can do. They worked with Waller and Theory on Friday. Pretty cool stuff. Three days after that, interfer- that, that interaction with Roman, they dropped the belts right back to the Judgment Day. With Jimmy Uso's help. So, we talked about this before we hit record here. I just I just don't get it. Um, I don't really know why you would take the belts off of Judgment Day just to put it back on him. I know it was to add heat to the Jimmy and Jay feud, which isn't culminating until Mania anyway, so it just felt like it was too soon for that. And if the idea was that Jimmy wants to help out Roman because... You know, he wants. I, I don't think he's back in the bloodline officially. I, don't, I honestly don't really know. They haven't really made that clear. Uh, interestingly enough. But if he wants back in the bloodline and wants to help out Roman by ensuring Cody and Jay don't pop up on SmackDown, he just popped up on Raw, and he's not a champion. And Cody and Jay were also on SmackDown two weeks ago. Until, and I've been waiting for this since the draft in April, and it just, it's not going to happen. Until they say no one can appear on the other brand unless you're a champion, unless you're like the undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions, then you, this stuff doesn't matter. Because this whole idea that, oh, we can't pop up in the other show, we see people cross brands every single week, so that brand split shit doesn't even matter. Uh, what were your thoughts, though, watching this? It was a great match, don't get me wrong, but I just think the hot potato booking doesn't do the belts any favors. And I know you were super high on the duo of Cody and Jay on, as a tag team, as champions, and now they're no longer champions. So what, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, not that I was like, they're definitely going to lose. I just had a feeling they weren't going to win. I don't know. I just had a feeling after SmackDown there was a good chance they would drop the belts. Um, like you said, I don't know. I feel like the only thing for me that makes sense, if it's like you said, like, obviously the Jay and Jimmy's not going to happen to WrestleMania. Maybe if they're going to do like a Bloodline Judgment Day versus like kind of the baby faces at Survivor Series and War Games, that's the only thing that makes sense. Like, because then he, they'd have to get some kind of comeuppance, or it'd be something like, the, obviously, Jimmy cost the match. Or like, there would have to be some kind of interaction, like you said, and they're not, now they're not champions. Like, they theoretically shouldn't be showing up on SmackDown, but 
I, I assume that we'll see them on Friday night. But uh, that's the only thing to me that makes sense is, like, he helped them because obviously there was, like, some kind of agreement between Heyman and Rhea. So, like, if we get kind of some, like, Judgment Day bloodline versus the baby faces at, at War Games, it's the only thing for me that makes any sense on why this happened right now. Yeah, I mean, so with that being said, we've talked about it a lot. What do you think that War Games match looks like now if Cody and Jay are no longer the tag team champions? Is it an interpromotional match with Cody in the ring with the bloodline, or is it, it does it involve the Judgment Day? What do you think it looks like? I think it would be like a mixture of, like I said, it would be like Jay, I think it would be Jimmy, Solo, Damian, Finn, Dominic? maybe Drew, if he's champion. Okay. I'm not sure, because I don't want Dominic in it. I feel like he doesn't really belong. Um, but you could do that, and then it'd be Cody, Jay, Sammy, Kevin, uh, and the fifth guy would either have to, uh, maybe Seth at that point, depending if the title, if, if you want to put Seth in there. I mean, theoretically, depending on what happens with Owens, like I said, maybe you could sneak Randy in there. Like, maybe since he's the only guy in SmackDown, they attack, they basically beat up Kevin, he can't be in the match, and they get, that's how we get Randy on the team. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I think that I mean I think that's where that's headed. That's it. if that happens, then okay, I'm fine with it. But like besides that, like you said, it kind of makes no fucking sense. Yeah, I just I don't know. I think Randy Orton could be a likely possibility, but uh, I don't know. I just I, I I understand the reason why they did it on Monday. I'm curious if this was the plan as far back as Fastlane, or if they just did this because they felt like it. Um, I don't really know if Cody Rhodes and Jay aren't the champions anymore after what eight nine days. How do you bridge the gap with them between now and WrestleMania before they face Roman and uh, Jimmy, respectively? Um, like I said, I feel like you do that, and then, yeah, I mean, could you could you do Cody and Drew? Maybe I don't know. You could do that. I mean, I just then what do you do with Jimmy or Jay? Then it's like, do you have him? Like, does he go after Gunther? I don't know. Like, I feel like there's so much going on. I mean, I think they're over enough that I'm not worried about like exactly what they do with them because I feel like there's spots for them. It's just kind of piecing it together to get to WrestleMania. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they're over enough to where they won't be completely directionless, but I guess it's part of the fun, right? We don't really know where this is going or what they're going to do next, but, uh, you know, so far, so good. So I guess we'll see. I'm not a big fan of the, the constant title changes, and I hope we don't see another one for a while. I do think DIY would be the perfect team to take those titles off of Judgment Day at some point. Um, I also do think with, with the belts being back on Judgment Day, this prolongs the money in the bank cashing from Damien even further. I don't think we were getting that imminently anyway, assuming he even cashes in successfully, which he should, I think. We've had enough failed cash-ins lately where he, for the men that he needs to cash in successfully. Um, you know, we'll see where it goes. I, I'm curious. And Raw's uh, it's a lot of fun to follow right now with Triple H being back in charge and creative comp- control completely. So I'm curious to see where they go from uh, go from here. But as we wind down here, I just want to get your thoughts real quickly on just a few things. Halloween Havoc is coming up next week. Um, you got a bunch of matches advertised. Night one, night two is in two weeks. So that that match, that show is going to be headlined by Ilya and Carmelo Hayes 3, the rubber match for the NXT Championship, which should be excellent. But night one of Halloween Havoc, just want to get some quick predictions from you here as far as what that show is going to look like. NXT been firing in all cylinders lately. Not a hot show on Tuesday, but it was a setup show for what um, Halloween Havoc is going to bring next Tuesday. But we got a lot of matches coming into the show, including two NXT Women's Breakout Tournament matches. I know you said you were high on Lola Vice last week, but on this show, Lola Vice is going to take on Carmen Petrovic, who uh, went over on Tuesday's show. And Kalani Jordan is going to take on Ariana Grace, the daughter of Santina Morella, if it wasn't already obvious. I mean, she looks exactly like him. Um, who do you think goes over in those matches and advances to the next round of the Breakout Tournament? Uh, 
I would say Vice and Grace. Grace, okay. I thought I think Jordan's gonna win. I think because Jordan. Think so? I mean, she has a more of a baby face. So if you go with Vice, then it makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's possible as well. I mean, I think I like. I, I think I mentioned her last. I do think Kalani Jordan like has like a good look, and I mean, she's still very green. They all are, but I think she has a she has a good look and definitely breakout potential. And the same with Vice. So if you're gonna go with the face, I kind of forgot that Vice is more of a heel. So yeah, I think if you're going baby face heel, that would make the most sense. I think it's safe to say Braun Breaker's destroying Mr. Stone next week. Yes. Yeah, we're still in the midst of this Braun Breaker, Von Wagner uh, storyline. Braun Breaker just shit him on the main roster months ago. I don't really know what the holdup is here, but uh, you know he's clearly going to kill Mr. Stone next week. Roxanne Perez and Kiana James in a spin-the-wheel-make-the-deal match, which is going to be a Devil's Playground match. Um, I think Roxanne Perez defeats Kiana James. I feel like that'd be the uh, the safe the safe bet here. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I like. I think similar with with Breaker. I feel like with Perez, like they're kind of just spinning their wheels right now in NXT. I like both of them, but I mean they both should be on the main roster at this point. They they're kind of just doing nothing of no. Yeah, I mean, listen, the fact that on the show alone coming up next week, I just realized this. We're gonna have five women's matches. They had four women's matches on this week's show. I think they're gonna have five next week between the two we already mentioned, that match we just mentioned, and also Blair Davenport and Gigi Dolan, another spin the wheel make the deal match, a lights out match. Um, this should be great. I think these two can go in there and have a really good match. Their last match wasn't all that great. It was like three minutes long. But I'm looking forward to this one. I think uh, I think Blair Davenport goes over because Gigi Dolan barely won the first one. So I think Davenport gets her win back here. Yeah, I like Dolan and Davenport respectively. I would probably, like you said, I'd probably go with Davenport as well. I feel like she needs a, a win to kind of solidify her heel turn. Um, I would I would go with her. Yeah, I agree. Uh, NXT Tag Team titles on the line. The families, Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stacks, Lorenzo, defending against uh, Chase Hughes, Andre Chase, and Duke Hudson. The family just won the titles. I mean, they've been champions now for three months with only a defense or two. Um, I don't think they become champions here. I think, what's her name? Um, who's the girl from Chase Hughes? Oh, my God, I'm blanking here. Um, the student. Not JC James. Uh, the blonde girl, Thea Hale. Thea I Hale. I don't know how I, I don't know how I blanked on her name. I feel like she's, she's gonna. Not blonde anymore either. She's dark hair now. Ah, she's got dark hair now. My bad. I feel like she's gonna inadvertently cost Chase you the win here, and they're gonna cost, they're gonna you know lose the match because of them. No, I think the family wins. Like you said, I, I mean, they just won the belts. I like Hale a lot. Like so I, I mean, get her away from Chase you, ass man. Um, so I wouldn't mind her costing the mayor. We got to talk about this. Brian Pillman Jr. has been uh, in NXT for a bit now. They've just inter- started to introduce him with the uh, vignettes, talking about you know his background and how his father wasn't there. They've introduced him now as Lexus King. I think the name sucks, but you know I know the reason behind it is I think Lexus was the name of his sister who passed away, and King is his not his biological father's last name, obviously, but his stepfather's last name or his other sister's last name, whatever it might be. So there's a reason why he has the name. Um, again, it, he can't be Brian Pillman Jr. if he's doing this gimmick where he doesn't want to be his father, which he already kind of tried in AEW and it didn't really work. Um, I do think he has potential, though. We've talked about this. I think he's a great pickup for them. And I haven't seen any great promos from him in AEW, but I've loved these vignettes they've been putting out for him, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in his debut on Tuesday. No, the vignettes have been great. I, I, I like the King, the Lexus. I don't know. I feel like it can go both ways. Yeah. I just feel like it's more of a girl name, but mm-hmm. I mean, if whatever. I like. I think it has meaning. So it's not the greatest name. At least there's something. It's not like some generic WWE name they gave him. At least there's some kind of mm-hmm. or like there's some kind of reasoning. So, but no, I've liked what he's done so far. I mean, I feel like AEW dropped the ball with him, especially after the Dark Side of the Ring guy was like 
could have been the most over baby face, and they did nothing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we've seen of him, he's been pretty decent in the ring, so uh, I'm interested to see what they do with him here. I think an argument can be made that in their defense that he may not have been ready for a big push back in 2021. I think they could have done more with him, though. They had that one match with MJF, and that was it. No, I agree. I, I just... And I feel like after the dark side, they could have capitalized on him and Griff. Like, they did nothing with them. They just were kind Yeah, of, no, I agree. Like, they, I don't know if they weren't ready. I mean, I don't think they were ready either, but don't put them on TV then. Well, no, I think they were. They may not have been ready to be tag team champions, but, I mean, they were over. And they were a pretty over team as the Varsity Blondes, and they just were a glorified jobber team. They never really got above a certain level. They were always just an enhancement team, so. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in NXT. Uh, we get to the main event, Becky Lynch and Lyra Valkyria for the NXT Women's Championship. It's Becky's busy week. She's defending against Indy Hartwell first on Raw, actually. Um, Indy, who never lost the championship in the first place earlier this year. She's obviously not winning the belt back. Uh, and then Becky takes on Lyra on Tuesday's NXT. Uh, this should also be a great match. Again, I've loved that they, they put together a video package promoting it last week on NXT. And I think we heard from Lyra this week is about the match, so... Um, I think this will be a great match. And we also saw Jade close out NXT this week, tapping her wrist, kind of like, you know, it's almost time before I arrive. I still think she's going to Raw, but maybe she makes her presence felt in this match next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to the match, though. Do you think Lyra Valkyria is the one to take the title from Becky? Because I feel like it might be too soon to be taking the belt off of Becky because she's had a great run so far. I can't. I can't with you. <laughs> Always the hard ones make yep. me go first every yep. time. I... I if you asked me last week, I would say Becky, but I just have, like, a gut feeling Lyra's going to win here. Like I said, maybe, like, the Jade time thing, maybe she gets involved, and that's, like, we get her and Becky off the rip on Raw. I, I'm going to – my gut says Lyra. I don't want – like I said, I feel like Becky's had a good run, but, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I like what she's doing, but I think it would just help putting Lyra over. And, like I said, then you get Jade on, on the main roster. I'm going to go with Lyra. I'm like 60-40 on it, but I like Becky. I like Lyra a lot. I think the win could do a lot for her, so I'm going to go with Lyra. Okay, Lyra Valkyria, new uh, NXT Women's Champion, according to Mr. Marceau. Looking forward to that next week. Uh, last thing for you, Mr. Marceau. But you're not going to – what are you? What do you mean? Oh, how did I not give my prediction? I mean, I have no idea. I'm gonna... The kid was going to scapegoat right out of it. Like, you know, <laughs> like everything else going on, guys. Like, the kid was just about to move on and just let me, like <laughs> – Look like an idiot. <laughs> and then not give my prediction? So then, <laughs> so then if, if Lyra wins next week, I could say, well, yeah, I had her winning. Or if Becky wins, I could say, yeah, I had her winning too. I just didn't say it. Wow, keep trying to escape right out of it. I honestly, I, I thought I already gave my prediction, but I forgot I had you go on first because that's just what we do here. Uh, I'm going to go Becky Lynch. I think Becky Lynch retains. I mean, Lyra winning would be awesome. I think she, uh, you know, she, she's come a long way. She's always been very good in the ring. The character stuff is kind of where she struggled. And I feel still I still feel like she needs some more work in that department and connecting with the audience. But she is very good, and, uh, you know, it would be pretty cool if Becky passed the torch to her by having her be the one to beat her for the NXT Women's Championship. I think there's more they're going to do. I, I, I said months ago, or not a month ago, but I said a month ago, we could see a Becky Jade Cargill situation for the NXT Women's title, and they teased that on Monday's Raw backstage. They also teased Jade and Charlotte. It doesn't mean we're going to get it right away. But, you know, something to keep in mind. I could see Jade maybe not appearing in front of the audience because they haven't done that yet. They may want to save that for, like, when she shows up on Raw. They've only seen... We've only seen backstage stuff so, uh, backstage stuff so far. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to it. So, I think Becky Lynch walks out NXT Women's Champion, but Mr. Marceau's got Valkyria, so uh, we'll talk about it next week here on the show. But I do got one last question for you. Not question, but just a talking point. Um, last night on Dynamite, which I thought was a fine show overall, the biggest eventful, you know, aspect of the episode... 
Sting announcing that he's uh, wrapping up his in-ring run at AEW and just in general, because uh, he said during his first retirement speech in 2016 that the only thing for sure about Sting is that nothing's for sure is you know famous catchphrase. But he said this is for sure. He's wrestling his final match, period, not just for AEW. At Revolution 2024, the same show where he debuted at three years ago in that tag team match, that cinematic match with Darby Allen against Team Taz. So that's about five months. Uh, we we kind of had a feeling they'd be wrapping up soon. He signed, I think, a three-year deal in December of 2020. And I thought he might wrap up at Winter is Coming, but you know they should save it for a big pay-per-view in full gears too soon. So they're saving it for... I mean, there, there might be more pay-per-views before then, too. I'm just assuming there's full gear and Revolution. There's bound to be more because there's rumored to be more. Uh, but he will be wrestling his final match, according to Sting, at the Revolution show in March, I think it is. Next March. That's about five, four and a half months from now. Um, your thoughts on the Sting announcement and uh, what you could see his final match being in AEW, whether it be his first singles match in the company or just another standard tag team match or whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I would say just do him and him and Darby do his last match, put Darby over. Because, I mean, that's who he's been aligned with the whole time. I don't mm-hmm. know if you... Theoretically, the turn either them heel or vice versa, but no, I think that would make the most sense. I mean, another tag team match, kind of. I would be kind of against that, but I think it, theoretically, I would say him versus him versus uh, Darby. I mean, I don't know what the next five months are going to look like. We could see him do a lot. We could see him do this in the next five months. But I was thinking, what about the possibility of him and Darby? If they're not going to do any Sting singles matches, which they haven't done at all, if they're going to do one, they should be saving it for his last match, and he puts over Darby, like you said. I think that'd be cool. Darby can say that he beat Sting or retired Sting, whatever. But what instead, if they want to do, you know, another tag team match, what if him and Darby finally win the tag team titles? I mean, the fact that the, we talk about, this company talks about, oh, wins and losses matter. If wins and losses matter, dude, Sting has won literally every single match he's had in this company. He has not lost a single match in WWE, or I'm, I'm sorry, in a- he lost every match that he had in WWE for the most part. Um, he's won every match that he's had in AEW, but he has yet to get a tag team title shot. So if they can win the belts and then just, you know, vacate them that same night or the next day or dynamite or whatever, then they'd be fine. But I feel like it'd be cool for him to go off on a high note by uh, winning the belts, at least having these wins amount to something, because so far they have not. And he's active enough to where it's not like he's wrestling once a year. I mean, we have a title on WWE, in WWE that's on Roman Reigns who wrestles three times a year. I don't think it'd be too out of the or, uh, you know out of the question for Sting to win a tag team title after wrestling, you know, every couple weeks, every couple months, and then he can vacate it that same night. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I would say I'm kind of out on that. I mean, <laughs> why would you win the belts with the? I don't know. I just feel like. But okay, the, belts, strategy. the belts so just vacate them. I guess they're on fucking. We've seen Ricky it before. Stars, big bill at this point, so it does not totally matter. But I don't know. We've I don't seen love it be- the idea, but I mean. I Trish Stratus did I, it. What do you mean? Trish Stratus did it back in '06. She said she was retiring, but she won the women's title that same night anyway. Yeah, and it was dumb then too. <laughs> The women's division also meant nothing. I mean, the AEW tag team division at this point means nothing anyways, but uh, you know, honestly, in that, and, and now that I think about it, honestly, just have, her, have them win and just drop the belts. Why not? Well, they wouldn't be dropping them. They would just vacate them. Drop the belts. Same well, they, they're not going to... Gonna... Like, this is like just dumb to win the belts with a vacate. Like I said, at least like in 06, the women's division meant nothing. I mean, we had Cherry skating around on fucking rollerblades, so... <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of out on that idea. It would just add more stakes, because it's not like, oh, if Sting loses, he's gone. We already know he's gone, so it's not even like there's any real drama there. The only other match, I'm just saying, I would only want that if he's not facing Darby one-on-one. If it's just a Sting regular match, I mean, it's special because it is his last match, but there's no, I mean, there doesn't have to be stakes. It's, it's stakes in the sense that he is wrestling his final match, but 
I would like, I mean, maybe I say what I said before was anything can change in the next five months. He could win the belts next month. I mean, Ricky Starks and Big Bill are champions right now. Is that going to last? I don't think so. They're not a real team. That's just kind of, they're not random, but I don't know. I, I think they could, I think Ricky and Big Bill, maybe part of the reason why they won the belts was because they have that in mind and the idea is to do Darby and Sting against them at some point, if not at that show, which is in, again, four months from now. I don't know. Just just something to keep in mind. I, I would prefer, though, your idea where he just puts over Darby one-on-one. I know Darby said he doesn't want to do that, though. I don't know what the reason is. Um, just because he doesn't want to do it doesn't mean it won't happen. I mean, just get over it. But um, same thing with Sting. I think he's capable enough. He's shown at this point where he can do a singles match if he wanted to. But, again, time will tell. Um, but we'll talk more about it next week. Hopefully we have more AEW news to discuss along with, uh, you know, whatever happens on Raw and SmackDown. The season premieres are in the rear view. We head on into Crown Jewel coming up. Uh, is it next? I think it's next weekend. No, is it? No, it's not. I'm sorry. It doesn't, it's in two weeks. I'm thinking that if it's next weekend, it's coming up quick. But we got Crown Jewel coming up and then Survivor Series soon after that. Royal Rumble full I- gear and everything else in the uh, in the, uh, in the the uh, rear view or upcoming uh you know, shows and whatnot. Fast lane, rear view, what else in the roadblock? <laughs> God, you're <laughs> killing me. dying, you like that one. Yeah, I listen, they have so many shows, I, it's hard to keep track. Halloween Havoc, I forgot to mention that, we'll talk about that next week. There's never not any shows going on. Hey, listen, it's, it's a great time to be talking about wrestling because it's all great stuff. I can't complain. Uh, new episodes every single week on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single week. Uh, Mr. Marceau, brother, pleasure chatting with you as always. I'll catch up with you next week, brother. All right, sounds good, man. Adios. Join Graham, GSM Matthews, and RJ Marceau every Thursday as they run down their weekly wrestling rants, offer expert analysis, host exclusive interviews, and more. Subscribe today on all your favorite podcast platforms and never miss an episode of Wrestle Rant Radio.